1: Really this is <laughs> gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun.
0: So we're just doing audio, there, right? Yeah, we're just doing audio. I got you, man. I, I just want to look at your clean-shaven face. God, that's just that's just that's horrifying. True. You're like a thumb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I give up. I give up. Right, we're we're, we're gonna
0: go ahead and just start. We're just gonna go ahead and start from there, Chris. uh we've got an election coming up, and as people are telling me what to care about and what to freak out about and what to do about it, I seem to be ignoring all of them. And as they, as I keep seeing the ads coming in, as I keep hearing people bitch and complain on Facebook, I kind of miss being involved politically, but I mm-hmm. don't, but what I've really <laughs> been thinking about recently, which is why I, I wanted to to get together as an excuse to not only catch up with you, but to also get some content out is, I miss doing awesome, fun shit with you and the others back in Virginia. Now, life has obviously changed quite a bit since the lockdowns, but we're going to go back to a little bit of the Chris Sanders origin story, because I want to go ahead and introduce people to the John Wick of politics, because when I tell people <laughs> I really don't give a fuck about certain politicians or certain races or what so-and-so is promising me, because I'm just I, I'm just going one-man army at this point. I try and remember the, the the rules and the lessons and the shit I learned from you back in Virginia. So let's go ahead and
1: start with this. Wow, that's, that's a huge build-up. I, I hope I hope I can uh, hope I can meet the expectations. There. Don't disappoint anyone, or else everything <laughs> is just going
0: to be fucked from here. <laughs> but uh,
1: we might be in trouble.
0: <laughs> so. I've met I've met far too many people who call themselves political consultants or political operatives. On LinkedIn, nine times out of ten, that mostly just means unemployed. But for you, one of the first things that made you stand out when we met back in like 2017 was you're the only person I ever knew that had a wall of politicians that you've taken out. And I feel like that's the only place to start because that sets the tone for everything.
1: Well, you know how in the old West uh, they used to uh, uh, they used to display the pelts of the predators that they uh, uh, killed on their farms as a sign, as a warning for other predators, and and that's what you know. That's what I believe in. Um, politicians tend to be herd animals, um, and I you know it, it's really simple. Um, I believe in non-compromise confrontational tactics. That's it. Um, and you have to follow through with that. In other words, like when I'm working on an issue, let's say in Richmond or Charleston or Baton Rouge or wherever it may be uh, where I'm involved on an issue fight, you know, I I tell politicians simply this, I'm here to take one or two things I don't care which, but it's your choice what you give me. You're either going to give me your vote and support me on this issue, or you're going to give me your seat. I don't care which, it's your decision. But then you have to follow up with it, right? I mean, you know, too often, you know, during the legislative, legislative session, which is when politicians do bad things to us, uh, they hear advocacy groups yelling at them, you know, demanding they vote a certain way and everything else. But then come election season, they look around and nobody's politically dead. And they think all of the activist groups, especially those of us on the Liberty front or the or the pro-Constitution front, are just shooting blanks. So we have to take pelts. And I don't care if it's in the primary or general election. I really don't care. If somebody works against me on an issue, I'm coming after them. And I don't care how long it takes. One day, um, I will make them pay for what they did to me. I was
0: at dinner recently since I moved here to Wisconsin, I've been trying to go with, as listeners will know, the the Wolf of Wisconsin route, which is I'm not even registered to vote here. Like that actually pisses some people off. They're like, it's your duty. And I'm like, fuck off. But like, I'm not even registered to vote here. I've just been I've just been cutting checks and collecting phone numbers. And if I have a problem, I I deal with it. But I I was at I was at a a very elitist dinner. And I don't I I don't, you know, gloss over the facts that I was not one of the people they expected to be there. (laughs) I bought a very expensive table and everyone just kind of looked at me. And it it was in that moment where I realized like I've I've gotten into the heart of the of the beast, so to speak. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people think that when it comes to elections, when it comes to a lot of the stuff that we look at when it comes to politics, if we bitch about things on social media enough, if we go ahead and just bug our friends, we can go ahead and manipulate a lot of people to vote a certain way. But the truth mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the number of politicians there, the number of old money that was there, it, it reminded me of the facts that, you know, they don't listen to us. They listen to the vested powers. And it's not until we actually show them that we're willing to use political force to get what we want, even if it means it's at the expense of their professional capacity in politics, they
1: don't care. Right. Exactly. I mean, unless you are politically feared, you'll never be respected. Unless you're going to stand between them and their elected crown, you know, their gold badge of all knowledge that they wear about, like it's some sort of medal. Unless you are a danger to them uh, retaining their power over the people, they don't care. Too many activists fall for the access route. And access is simply they're friends with politicians. They talk to politicians. They call politicians, call politicians, call them. Politicians listen to them. They're friends. But you have friends to help you out when you do something wrong. If you're really doing your job as a grassroots activist, your job is to tell the politician what the people require. But if you become one of these access base critters, you end up becoming just a lapdog telling the people what they have to accept from the political class um and that's what we do too often on our side the tea party is a good example of that they started off being a really powerful force and then they became just another wing of the republican party and nobody gives a shit about them anymore it really is that simple um because they became you know they got neat profile pictures on facebook Uh, They got invited to all these dinners. I mean, I like going to big dinners. I like putting on black tie and showing up at some of the Republican Party events in Virginia. It's kind of like the turd just showed up in the punch bowl because I guarantee you there's three or four people there that I've ripped out of office because they had it coming, as my granddaddy would say. Um, But um, it's fun. And, And they can't stand that you enter into their circle. But I don't spend my life hobnobbing with them. I just basically tell them what we expect, what we want, and if they don't play along, we make their life a living hell. We may not take them out of office the first couple times, uh, uh, you know, Eric Cantor, but we will uh, eventually get you, right? Um, and a lot of politicians, I'm sorry, are political zombies. They're dead. They just don't know it because they've never had anybody with any skill come after them, and that's what makes it so much fun. Is they're stunned that somebody's actually going to try to, you know, take away what they view as their gift from the Lady of the Lake holding Excalibur and presenting it to them to rule over us. It's hilarious. (laughs)
0: and that's why i keep having to tell myself because when i was working in and out of dc i loved getting invited to the events it made me feel like i mattered especially as a young person like i actually felt like oh i'm noticed i'm important maybe they'll do something important with me Mm -hmm. post 2020 um i mean with with the lockdowns and everything what we saw was the most egregious act against civil liberties in the united states history in modern times at least and what what I had to gather from this is like you know I'm, I'm looking around at, at this uh, at this venue I was at and I'm like have these people supported the lockdowns? And still mm-hmm. don't see a problem with it. And more than half of them supported mandatory masking and vaccine mandates and closing schools and closing businesses because what they what you know they, they could go wherever they wanted. They had the access to uh, you know, get preferential treatment. And if you know a bunch of businesses went out of business, they just went ahead and bought up a bunch of more assets. They they didn't hurt. And I have to remind myself, it's like, I'm not one of these people like they, they will destroy my life and they won't even take the time to learn my name.
1: Right. What they were trying to do is smooth you with access. They wanted to give you a little bit, make you feel a little bit important. Like, Hey, you know, come join us, be one of us. We will come down from our lofty stage and speak with you right? And they and they do this to so many activists and so many young people that they, you know, people forget the power they actually have over politicians because most contested races are won or lost by about 3% of the population in one vote. As a good friend of mine, Kirk Shelley, likes to say, small hinges move big doors. If you can build your list big enough, if you can create a following of 3%, I don't care if it's 3% of a school board race, that's not many people, right? If it's 3% of, of a Congress critter race, that's a lot bigger. But like in Virginia, we've built a list of well over half a million of Virginians uh, that we can, in a touch of a button, I can, you know, put out there what the current politician is doing and, and light them up like a Christmas tree. Because, you know, it's It's very expensive to take them out of office. It's easier to change their vote by, you know, changing the environment in which they exist. If they're being hunted everywhere they go by people screaming at them about what they did wrong, um, you can mostly change their behavior. But if not, hey, you know, we'll take you out, too, or we'll we'll try like hell. Because most politicians, especially at the state level, which is really where you get things done, uh, the federal level, (laughs) not much can happen there, but at the state level is where you can get things done um they, they have other jobs they'd rather work play golf take their family on vacation do most anything rather than face angry voters in a re-election race so if you can create the thing they fear the most is demonstrable proof of large numbers of angry voters you create enough angry voters they will start to listen to you uh i've even moved democrats of all crazy things on gun bills um, so, you know, to get them to vote the white, right, the right way, uh, Lee Carter, who is a self-avowed socialist. He was in the 50th district missed him. I miss, him. I miss oh, yeah, the drama. He, he was terrified by us. He voted right on every gun bill <laughs> because we were in his district raising more hell than a pet monkey. So, I mean, it's, you can move these people, don't think, but the biggest danger we face uh, it's, it's like it says in the Bible, you know, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light are the backstabbing rhinos we have within the Republican Party. I, I get tired of people telling me you need to just focus on the Democrats. Well, I'm sorry when I'm being, you know, kneecapped by the Republicans on every piece of legislature I'm working on. Of course, three quarters of the pelts on my wall are going to be actual Republicans I've taken out of office. And, and that really freaks people out. I, in 2019, um, I took uh, three Republicans out in general elections, and people were freaked by that. You're like, you let the socialists win? I'm like, no, these people tried to put in red flag gun confiscation laws. Now the Republican Party in Virginia is on notice that if they try to do something stupid – and violate nearly half of the Bill of Rights, we're coming after them. So then fast forward to 2022, when our repeal of red flag bill hit the floor in the House of Delegates, even Republicans who at one point had supported red flag immediately voted for our repeal because they were, they were terrified that we'd come after them again. That's how you get things done.
0: You neutered a man in front of his <laughs> whole church congregation in yes, 20, 2018.
1: Was, yeah, that, that was Emmett Hanger. Yeah, he had it coming.
0: <laughs> that was That was so funny. Basically, Emmett Hanger was in a primary race. And what you did was you found out where he went to church. And, and what did you, it wasn't photos of like aborted fetuses. It was something else. He didn't no, go that it far. Was, it was, it was a
1: photos of a border fetus. Okay. It that was, it. That was he, okay. he claimed to be a Republican and he was, he voted uh, to expand Obamacare and fund Planned Parenthood to kill babies. And so we went to his church on Sunday morning and uh, handed out flyers, so all the parishioners going in and it was a small church. So they all knew him. Right. Um, and he lost his mind. He filed an ethics complaint against us uh, in Richmond. Uh, which then I sent an email out to a couple hundred thousand of my closest friends in Virginia saying, hey, Emmett Hanger hates the fact we exposed the fact that he, you know, funded, used public dogs to fund baby killers. I've got to go to Richmond. Why don't you call Emmett Hanger and tell him what you think about him filing an ethics case against him? I went down, won the ethics case because, of course, we were right. Facts were on our side. Uh, he did do this, and it was a, a public street where we were handing things out, which we were allowed to. And so, on the way back, I'm typing up an email. That says, "Oh, by the way, you know, we won the ethics case because we were right. And here's Emmett Hanger's cell phone number. Call him up and tell him what you think about him. You know, filing ethics charges against us for shining the light on the cockroach that is Emmett Hanger." Um, <laughs> That was a lot of fun, you know. Whenever he, some politicians normally they file an ethics case, and activists get all upset, and they duck, and they cover, and they run. Not me. I'm gonna I'm gonna use it as an excuse to keep hitting them again and again and again on that issue.
0: What what, what is it what does it mean when you get criticized by conservatives? Because far too often, I remember, especially if like Virginia constitutional conservatives, the, the common criticism was, well, you're using leftist tactics Well, you're, you're you're being rude about it. And it's like, you know, back then, even back then, that wasn't necessarily anything that was out of acceptable territory. And especially now in the post 2020 world, that's just called a typical Tuesday with
1: friends. Right. Right. Um, you know, the tactics are neutral. Because politics is warfare. Your life, liberty, and property are always at risk with a slightly smaller body count, unless the Clintons are involved. Um, that's a so, big body count when they're involved. That's a big body count. But the thing is, you know, these people sit in front of a red or green button every single day almost and decide whether your liberty or your property is restored or taken right? And the left has become really good at confrontational politics to the point that Republicans run to do whatever, like Jill Vogel or Emmett Hanger or Donovan. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them in Virginia that just flee over, you know, you know Kirk Cox was a great one, okay? Um, you know, they flee to the leftists because they're terrified of what they're going to do because, you know, unfortunately, conservatives hop on the back of the Republican bus and nobody cares about it because, you know, up until uh, Reagan was elected, 34 percent of evangelicals were Democrats. 34 percent were Republican and 34 percent or 30 couple percentile uh, were, were swing voters. People cared about what they thought. Then when Jerry Falwell had the new religious right and created that movement, now 85 percent of evangelicals just pull the R lever. Guess what? Republicans don't care what evangelicals think anymore because they have you locked up in their voting bank. You are no longer a danger to them. They don't care. So again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Unless they are terrified that you are going to work to make sure they lose their next election, they don't care what you think. They're too busy running over to the left. But again, tactics are neutral. I mean, if the enemy is attacking you with tanks, you're not going to Hop on your horse with a lance. That's stupid. Um, You know, politics is purely the adjudication of power, and real political power is forcing politicians to act the way you want them to or removing them. And that's something our side needs to get through their thick skulls.
0: Have you found that over the last couple of years, people who might not have been on board with how you do your activism and everything, they've become more receptive? Or are they still trying to pretend that we're in like pre-pandemic politics?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you look at the direction everything's moving, um, you know, rhino hunting is becoming a lot easier than it, than it used to be, um, especially, you know, with the recent uh, correct uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade, which, you know, 10th Amendment matters again, Us uh, now back to the stage, which is where it belongs. Um, so now it's becoming, people are starting to accept it because the issues they're fighting over, because you know since 1973 it was always safe for a Republican to run and say they were oh we're pro-life we're just pro-life but well, we can't do anything about it but I'm pro-life but now is when the rubbers meeting the road when it's now time for them to do something you talk about scattering it's it's crazy um so I'm having a lot of fun working on a lot of life issues right now uh, throughout the republic uh and it's people are stunned they're gonna Oh my, all, these Republicans claim to be pro-life, but they voted against, yeah, because they claim to be, because that's what the lie they needed to say to be elected. So I think people are starting to wake up to the lies, and not, even, not to mention that, but I mean, even in Virginia, you had Yunkin, you know, supporting lockdowns and jabbing and everything else, and the whole world in Virginia, you know, which is... Changed dramatically from the Northam years. Not policy-wise, the policies are pretty much the same as when Northam was there. Um, it's just everybody thinks their great savior has arrived in Yunkin, and I'm sorry, he's done nothing. Of the, them. the only
0: the only thing I could say guaranteed him that victory last year was that he he switched his entire campaign to focus on CRT. And well, well, he's, I, I he's had cool. a lot of people, I had a lot of people make fun of me. They're like, Remzo, as soon as you move out of Virginia, Virginia goes red. And I'm like, if you think that you're safe <laughs> right now, that's not a Garen fucking tea. No, it's no. not.
1: No, it's, it's not. In fact, you know, a lot of uh, he, he basically won because of Loudoun County Schools. And I was having fun in that fight, too. Um, But we've started to pause
0: you there. I'm sitting in my boxers eating a fucking bag of Doritos and I'm watching (laughs) Tucker Carlson, which I (laughs) rarely do. And I see (laughs) your face on there. Like you weren't yelling. You were very polite. You were just reading off some notes that you had calling out these uh, school board members. And I'm like, holy shit. He's everywhere. He's infected the Matrix.
1: <laughs> I'm like Santa Claus. I'm everywhere. I really, I really didn't know that was going to happen because, you, you know, I stay away from mostly from media interviews. I really don't like talking to the media because they're really not our friends if you're really doing your job. But, but that happened to me when i was at the moment.
0: washington times i'm going over one of our editorials and next thing i see they quote you and i'm like oh chris totally had a hand in this he called somebody he knows somebody i take a photo of him like you're on the front page and you're like oh well that's nice what do you mean that's nice
1: Going oh, now tomorrow Oh my God. It's crazy. I mean, the thing is that, you know, getting back to Young and we're kind of sidetracked there, but, yeah, side-tracked. but it's really not about I mean, it's not about me or my ego. It's it's about the principles. It's about the principles of liberty. It's the fact that, you know, our rights are given by God and government's just taking them away everywhere. My daughter, who's 21, doesn't have the same rights that I had at 21, and certainly not those that my grandfather had when he was floating around the ship in the Pacific fighting the Japanese okay, I'm sorry, we need to get these rights back. And, you know, it's, it's individual liberty means personal responsibility of that liberty. And that's what really got me involved in, in Dr. Paul, of course. But um, Youngkin ran on school choice. He ran on giving back parental choice, right? He actually said the word school choice. Um, so we put in school choice legislation. The entire Republican establishment shot it down. They wouldn't even let it up for a vote. So guess what? We're going back with it. And by the way, we've got a bill champion now who will actually force them to vote on it. And if they vote wrong, again, I don't care if I have to take them out in the primary or the general, I'm coming for them. That's the way it works. Okay? They have to know that the price for bad legislative behavior could be the loss of their seats. But again, Youngkins ran on school choice, Gets elected and talks about government-controlled charter schools. That's not school choice. School choice means it's your kids, it's your money. You decide where they go and you decide what your money funds with no government strings attached. You know. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it's uh, it's 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 kind of ironic. And now, of course, he's flying around running for vice president. Bless his heart. So mm. when did. When
0: did the wall begin, Chris? What the made you be- what you are?
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Back way back when, when the earth was flat and young, um, a good dinosaurs friend of mine, roamed and there was cocaine and roamed. Coca-Cola and, and, you know, you had the, the, the Pepsi, Coca-Cola wars. And, you know, back when I, you know, I didn't have to use just for men on my beard. Um, you know, <laughs> um, this guy, a good friend of mine, Dave and called me up one day and said, Hey, Chris, um, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, in the politics, you, you believe in the constitution as written. Have you ever looked at this Dr. Paul guy, Dr. Ron Paul? And now uh, he goes, well, why don't you come down and, and and come to a rally? I'll get you in. You'll get to meet Dr. Paul, so on and so forth. I'm like, okay, I showed up. Uh, that was back in 2008. Right. I show well, up before I times. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is way, way back. And, um, I meet Dr. Paul, all of a sudden, you know, it's like the light bulb clicked, okay? Before I was a Republican, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just a Republican, I'm supporting gun rights because I'm a gun guy and I believe in life and lower taxes and more freedom, But I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand what it meant to be properly woke, not this crazy crap that they're talking about today with the wokesters, but, you know, to understand really what's going on in our political system and how much both wings of the bird, both the Republican and the Democratic parties, are destroying it. And so I got involved. Then this gentleman by the name of Mike Rothfeld had a training, and I went to his training, and I sat down, and eight hours later – My brain was scrambled because I finally, like the light bulb went off. I understand what it means to be an activist now, which, by the way, crazy of crazy, um, I'm now an instructor for the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, teaching the same class that Mike taught me back then. So I travel around the country um, teaching the real nature of politics, outside operations how to make a difference, how ordinary men and women can change history if they stand up against the politicians, the talking heads, and the media, and perhaps save our republic. How does it
0: feel looking at the past couple of years alone? I mean, with with everything that's happened, we had the lockdowns, we had everything happen, but at the same time, we're overturning Roe v. Wade. We're we're dealing with people that want to go ahead and keep us all on a vaccine registry. But at the same time, now more people have access to concealed carry weapons. It's like things have gotten really freaking crazy, but we've Mm -hmm. also had some giant victories that
1: can't be overlooked. Oh, absolutely. People say you can't get things done. You can get things done at the state level. Like, you know, many years ago, again, when the earth was flat, there were three states that had constitutional carry. Now there's twenty five. Constitutional carry, of course, meaning you don't have to beg the government's permission, pay a tax, and go on a list to bear arms as the Second Amendment intended. At the same time, you have everybody, including like Hogan and and other rhino Republican governors, locking everybody down, violating the Constitution. Because the the governors, if you look at each one of these individual states, um, the governor is supposed to only, you know... They have short-term emergency powers, but the legislature is 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 supposed to vote on them. But they never brought the legislature together. They just did it. They just assumed this power, and 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 people just lined up to get on the boxcars, um, and because they scared people. Oh, you're going to die! Oh, this is so scary! You know, it, it blew my mind because I'm sitting here when this all broke out, and I'm thinking, you know, when the American Revolution, right at the height. Of the revolution, we had one of the largest outbreaks of smallpox. Nobody stopped and hid in their homes. And smallpox, by the way, has a really high fatality rate. You don't have a survival rate of 99.999 or whatever percentage rate, you know. But they they stayed out. They kept fighting. Um, But now apparently people have just become so afraid and so motivated by fear That it just chased them into their homes and they were willing to accept whatever, you know, the government demanded of them. Um, I knew people that were in New York City that were locked in their apartment for weeks on end. I'm like, why are you putting up with this? I mean, they tried that where I live. You know, we burned the place down. We're not going to tolerate that. But, you you know, people just tolerate way too much. They shut down your businesses, told you you couldn't go to church. I mean, come on you know you know it's like it's like ron said a long time ago you know liberty is not maintained by subservient societies you know you, you when people start accepting lockdowns, you know, mandatory curfews, forced injections, you're going to lose all liberty. You've got to stop that. You've got to fight. You've got to get in the fight. And I think we're starting to slowly turn the curve or turn the bend where people are realizing this. They think, you know, well, you know, whoever's president is going to save us. That's not true. You know, uh, even if, you know, I hate to tell people this, but even if Ron Paul had won the 2012 election, we still probably have a good many messes today because again it boils down to individuals you know it's your duty to defend these rights not if, if not for yourself if not for your children then for the god who gave you these rights to begin with you know we've got to get in and we got to fight um, and too many people still like, you know, well, I'm going to my kid's soccer game, or you know, I just watch the news, whatever CNN or Fox News or whatever they tell me. That's what I'm going to believe, and they don't actually open their eyes and see what's going on. If if you look at our society today, we are so subservient to control everything we do, from what commode we can have in our house to what light bulb we can have, and we're taxed. Good God. I mean, we rebelled against Great Britain over a 2 percent tax on tea. But right now, you know, average American spends more on government than they do on housing, clothing and food combined. It's ridiculous. We need a real revolution of the people, uh, a political revolution, preferably. Um, and, and we need to take back our country.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the the last couple of years it was like we were a beach and we were constantly getting hit by these giant waves. But now, especially as we're about to hit the midterms, it's like now the now the tide has has gotten a little bit lower and it's seated. Now you can see who was in the water naked the entire time. I, I had somebody.
1: But it's uh, scary sometimes. I mean, you don't want to see me naked in the water. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I had
0: somebody. I had somebody uh, try and get a large check out of me, and this was for an organization that. Uh, I, I otherwise would have supported, but things have changed. And I basically said, no, you guys were not firmly against the lockdowns enough. You were it, you were like 50-50 on vaccine mandates. And uh I, I don't forget that. And yeah. you know, I, I have a I have a liberal business partner. I'll be honest about that. I've got a liberal mm-hmm. business partner here in Milwaukee who during the lockdowns kept kept the business open, kept Mm -hmm. the employees on payroll even when he couldn't take a paycheck and kept trying to get customers engaged and active despite what the local government was saying. And it's like Mm -hmm. when I have a liberal who's going against that and he has a business versus a think tank advocacy group nonprofit who really doesn't have to risk much other than preaching to the choir, that shows me who my allies are. And it's like Cato Institute. The fact that you've got the Cato Institute, who was for the vaccine mandates because it was blockchain. Because apparently, if, if everything is blockchain, somehow it's virtuous. They were just going for softcore porn tyranny. Um, they they kept, you know, they kept trying to convince everyone to get the vaccines when they were sending their people on MSNBC. And now you have a, a bunch of Cato scholars who are going at uh, who are going after Ron DeSantis. Oh, he's a human trafficker. Oh, he's just doing this for show. It's like you sons of bitches. <laughs> how can you look at the last couple of years and think that just another white paper is going to change things? If no one had their no. mind changed, if nobody changed as an individual for the better after the last couple of years, nothing is going to
1: convince them otherwise. It, it's, it's, it can I can't say just how ridiculous it is? Like groups like the Cato, they put out their white papers, they think they can educate their way out of tyranny. Back to what you started talking about, it's no longer Republican versus Democrat. It's liberty versus tyranny, period, okay? And when you when the boot is on your throat, you don't care if it's a right boot or a left boot, there's a boot on your throat. Um, and, you know, the leftists have become very, very good. at. Ta- they've basically taken over the Democratic Party. And now you have, you know, everybody from, you know, the Green New Deal where we're not supposed to eat hamburgers or something. because We're going to eat bugs, live
0: in a pod, yeah. and we're not going to own yeah. anything, and we're totally going right. to be cool with it.
1: Yeah, and everybody's going to be cool with that, and 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 it, it, that's much more Democratic mainstream than they want to admit, right? But they've taken over the Democratic Party. It's time for us to take over our party because really, you know, it's funny. A lot of people get upset, and they talk about running third party. And I'm like, how about we have two political parties to start off with first, okay? That's what we need to do is have two to start off with that offer real Differences, not different flavors of tyranny, okay? And that's what we get a lot, you know. Uh, Cato, you know, bless their hearts. Um, They think they're doing something, you know. uh, What I hate is like groups like that or even the NRA, which I call negotiating rights away, um, who take good people's money, people who want freedom and liberty, they want the Second Amendment restored, and they sell out right? They become part of the machine so that, you know, uh, their directors can get another pair of Gucci loafers. Uh, Every time I've worked on constitutional carry in the state, a tactical enemy's been the NRA because they don't want to win fights. They want the fights to last forever so they can keep, you know, bankrolling their organization over. I'm sorry, it's the truth. And you ought to see gunnies, their heads explode when you explain what the NRA actually does. Um, I remember fighting for constitutional carry in West Virginia, and early on, the NRA was actually working the floor, telling reps not to vote for constitutional carry, and I found that quietly behind the doors. They had said they hadn't fundraised enough off the issue yet, okay? Um, but we have – it isn't really liberal, conservative so much anymore as it's just straight up liberty, tyranny. That that's it, and people need to see it that way. You know, it's funny. You have a Republican president, and you have a really crappy foreign policy. You have a Democratic president who campaigns on doing something different, but they have the same foreign policy, right? You know, you know sometimes no matter which "quote unquote" party in charge, the big issues is whether it's you know our foreign policy or the Federal Reserve, which people are suddenly waking up to again because of the inflation caused by printing money out of thin air. Um, But the thing is, people are waking up that, you know, nothing really changes. It's just like West Virginia went from being a Democratic stronghold for 83 years. Republicans take over, and if it wouldn't have been for groups like Campaign for Liberty, the National Association for Gun Rights, Right to Work, and a few others, using the exact tactics we're talking about today, nothing would be different in West Virginia. But we hated by the Republican establishment because we forced them. Just like you know, recently they put forward uh, and was just signed by the governor uh, the life at conception bill. Okay, were you? I don't know if you were watching that fight or not. But we were uh, we were fighting to make that the strongest life at conception bill in the nation because the West Virginia state constitution actually prohibits all abortion and any any exceptions they put in it. Was actually allowing more abortions in West Virginia, um, but it was it wasn't the Democrats that were the problem. It was the establishment Republicans who fought and tried to water it down and water it down and water it down. Uh, finally, we got an okay bill passed. I still don't agree with it with the bill. Um, I don't think it would you know is what it should be. But the leftists are raising Cain. But I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't; they weren't the ones that caused the problems. The problem was within the Republican Party.
0: Where, where's the next fight going to be? Because right now, everyone is just looking at 2022. And frankly, I, I even after the last two years, I, I think that Republicans in the Senate are a largely controlled opposition, and the ones mm-hmm. in Congress have have not earned any right to say that they would govern better. Than the Democrats. They passed all the stimulus spending. They they were mum when it came to the lockdowns. When they, when everyone was taking our rights away, they were just like, this is gonna be temporary. You know, we're in charge. We have the keys. And then they (laughs) lost the keys. And now they act like we've got like, you know, freaking dementia, and that things are gonna get better. They they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it.
1: The vast number do not. There were a handful like Rand Paul who were fighting. uh,
0: Massey was the the only one in Congress who was like, you know, if we're going to go ahead and vote on the largest stimulus spending in history, we should at least all show up.
1: Exactly, they were going to try to get away with that—the largest spending bill in American history—with a voice vote, so the people did not know how their representatives voted. He objected to it. He was attacked by Republican leadership. He was attacked by then President Trump. He was attacked by everybody else. But he was right. The people deserve to know how their uh, elected uh, polycritters voted on this huge spending boondoggle. Um, and now, looking back on that, look at the inflation that, we're, that everybody's fighting everywhere, and they're trying to blame Russia or the Ukraine or anything else. But the fact is, the Federal Reserve's printing money out of thin air to write these checks for all this spending because there's no way they could tax us for how much um, they want to spend. So they just go to the Federal Reserve, who just prints money out of thin air, and suddenly – You know, everybody's freaked out that gas is costing $6 a gallon or heating oil is $8 a gallon. You know, the price of meat's doubled or tripled. Well, yeah, that's called inflation because it's the decrease of value of the dollar. But you're right. I mean, when it comes down to it, most of these critters don't deserve their seats, and a lot of their opposition doesn't either. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of boils down A lot of times I'll pick up a ballot I'm, I will never vote for the lesser of the two evils And I'll walk in and I'll pick up a ballot And a lot of times I just have to return the ballot back Because there's nobody there I can vote for And look myself in the mirror the next day I like to keep my soul. Uh, if more voters started doing that And stopped falling for the greatest lie in politics Which is good people are obligated Obligated to vote for the lesser of two evils You're not That's a lie. Some guys will say, I've known voters say, well, this person's horrible, so I have to vote for that person. I'm like, even though that person's bad too, they've bought into this big lie that you're obligated to vote for the lesser of two evils. You're not. You're absolutely not. That's the biggest lie. It's designed to separate the legislative season and what they do to you and the election season and what you do to them. It was purposely designed that way, and we need to get people over that hurdle.
0: I've gotten to the point where I just largely believe that voting is the adult version of writing letters to Santa Claus, (laughs) you know, I mean, they, they don't, they don't feel threatened. And even when people complain, they don't, they don't fear them. It's like getting yelled at by your children. It just, it just doesn't scare you. And that's why unless unless. unless you show up to their church and stuff. I mean, what, I mean, you've been the the number, you can tell a lot about a person by their enemies (laughs) <laughs> and the people who have always gone after you publicly. And that's the thing. They used to ignore you because I think they wanted to delegitimize the efforts that you and the organizations you were working with were doing. When they started calling you out by name, cycle after cycle, that's when it's like, damn, he's in there, he's in their thoughts, he's in their nightmares.
1: Living rent-free in their head. I, like, I hope that one day tyranny looks underneath his bed for me when he goes to sleep at night, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but you know. The funny thing is, you know, unless you really mean what you say and and, and do what you mean, I mean, you've got to go out there and hold them accountable. People were so stunned that I took Republicans out in the general election. Too bad. So sad. Like, but the Democrats won. I'm like, so what? We'll get a real Republican there next time. Who cares? Then we went back in 21, ran a slate of candidates, and wow, look, suddenly we're getting, you know, decent bills starting to come out of the House of Delegates in Virginia because it, it's changed. It's no longer the Tidewater aristocracy that it used to be. Now, don't get me wrong, it's still somewhat that way. The, the Speaker of the House um, tried to sit in our repeal of red flag bill. Till I dropped 800,000 calls in the state and everybody called and screamed at him for standing with Biden and and red flag gun grabs. Uh, Then something the bill came out of committee, then something the bill hit the floor, then something the bill passed. But it was only when we got the people involved, you know, unless unless you can motivate others, unless you can mobilize them to confront, you're not going to get anything done. Um, and, and that's what we're going to do this time Trust me, we're gearing up for the 23 session And we're going to come out on everything From life issues, to gun issues To jab issues, to school choice You name it, we're going for the throat Because the 23 uh, legislative session Is coming right before the primary season then the general, right? Because Virginians like to vote every year So they have off-year elections God so hates we want Virginia to, yeah, yeah, we want to <laughs> expose the shine the light on the cockroaches so we can go harvesting come vote time, you know? And, and, and I will say, you know, if you're in Virginia, please vote, especially if you get an email from the Virginia constitutional conservatives or some of our friends. And we say, this scumbag did this, hold them accountable, go out and hold them accountable. Um, we even had, you know, rallies against Jason Mirares, who ran for uh, attorney general uh, during the general election because he had signed on to a red flag gun confiscation bill now of course since we took out his david yancey uh, and i forget his other friend i forget the guy's name we took out doesn't matter another politician we took out two of his buddies uh now he's anti red flag he's completely anti-red flag but we're not, we have long memories if you do something dumb we're going to remember forever and we're going to make you pay for it as long as we possibly can
0: Chris, uh, we're, we're, about out of time, but I think this really gets the message through to people. What, what other States are you operating? Are you operating? in? you've got your hand in a lot of different things.
1: Is I've got it just a, hand a handful of things. No, Virginia, uh, doing some work in West Virginia, Louisiana. Um, they have, I mean, I've trained, uh, you know, in Kentucky and in Pennsylvania and Maryland and Texas, and I don't know where else, uh, Missouri. Um, I've been kind of across, you know, the, uh, the great fruited plains of the republic, you know? Uh, and, and I encourage people, if 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 the foundation for applied conservative has a training in your area, go to it. You will learn more in eight hours than you will four years as a poli sci major, right? But then, you know, we have groups like Virginia Gun Rights, Virginia Constitutional Conservatives, Virginia for Educational Freedom, Virginia for Medical Freedom. They go now, there's something kind of we're waiting for the paperwork to approve for west virginia constitutional conservatives and i hear there may be something in louisiana happening along the same lines so we're uh uh it was kind of you know i i, I kind of hope that politicians are looking at us spreading kind of like they did in jurassic park when they realized the velociraptors were breeding you know <laughs> that's that's kind of what well, I hope. life it finds a way <laughs> <laughs> life, does, life finds a way to fight for liberty, right? So, I mean, that, that's what we're attempting to do. And again, I, you know, we, we, you know, I'm always about, you know, getting working with other people, getting them in the leadership roles, training them, letting them run. Because again, you know, if you're really trying to fight for liberty, it can't be about you. It's got to be about the cause. And I'm sorry, we didn't lose our liberty in one election. One gener- you know, one uh, decade or one generation. It's going to take that long to get it back. So I'm, you know, my hope is that the work of others and myself and all of us in the Liberty bandwagon are working together so that future generations will look back, you know, to you know, with their current crop of leaders going, hey, those people started it, but we finished it. Because I think it'd probably be my grandchildren if Things continue this way if we are to restore liberty, who may actually see the Constitution become the law of the land again.
0: Chris, I'm going to go ahead and include links to Virginia Constitutional Conservatives and all the other organizations that you mentioned, because people, if you have time to bitch on Facebook, you have time to make some angry phone calls and maybe go do some other stuff. Because if you don't make people fear you by the time the election comes, they won't fear you after the results are handed to them. Chris Anders, thank you so much for joining the program.
1: Hey, thank you, my friend Remzo. Anytime, love being on.